welcome to the CMIO Podcast, a show devoted to educating and informing those who are making healthcare easier for others. Whether you're involved with informatics, analytics, or new technologies that make the lives of our practicing clinicians better, this show is for you. My name is Dr. Mark Weissman, a practicing physician and CMIO and the host of CMIO Podcast. I've got a great show today. We have Dr. John Kaufman with me today from Bay Health. I saw John do a phenomenal presentation about building an analytics and a business intelligence unit at his system. And he did this at uh, Epic about a year ago. I was so impressed with it. I just like, you know, John, I, I'm, I'm, thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. Well, go ahead and just, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into this journey. What made you want to become a CMIO? Take it away, John. Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me on the show. It's, a, it's an honor. As I told you in email, any opportunity I get to hear myself talk is one that I, uh, that I do take uh, advantage of. So, uh, yeah, my name is Jonathan Kaufman. I'm a practicing hospitalist and CMIO at Bay Health, which is in central Delaware. It's a two hospital hospital system, integrated healthcare delivery system with ambulatory and um, two, two hospitals. So I fell into informatics like many of us do. I uh, didn't even know what informatics was when I uh, took my first job out of residency. Uh, my wife and I moved to Honolulu, Hawaii just to get out of Dodge and uh, there was an epic system out there. I had come from a paper organization, both orders and documentation, and just sort of fell into being the guy for my group that did template builds and uh, just became the technology person. I started getting invited to the IT meetings, mostly because they had free food and uh, they needed a physician who would be willing to to answer some questions and then leverage that into some uh, a part-time FTE uh, and then ultimately CMIO at that organization, McQueen's uh, Health System in Honolulu. I had a little boy and it got tough being 5,000 miles away, so we decided to move back uh, to the East Coast. Awesome. So you have three monsters now. Is that, is that true? I have three monsters, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-month-old. So uh, we're, we're hanging in there. So you still manage to balance that family life plus your practicing and you are the CMIO. Correct. So what, what's your percentage looking like right now? Exclude the child care part yes. of that equation. Right. So excluding child care, uh, I'm only 150% employed. No, I so I work in our uh, observation unit. When I initially started, I was hoping to, to leverage my work as a hospitalist, I just found it very difficult um, to do full hospitalist shifts and also make it to the 800 meetings a day that I had to attend. So we have an observation unit where I, I staff with uh, mid-level providers and I work 10, 15 shifts a month doing observation medicine. So it's about right. I wish I could be more, but uh, one of the great debates I think for CMIOs is to practice or not to practice. And I think, in my opinion, I think it's it's very, very helpful to, to still touch the system, but it is you're going to wind up being more than 1.0 employed no matter which no matter what your contract states if you decide to do that I have to agree with that. I was in the in the clinic yesterday and, and picked up on some things, a smart link that wasn't working. And you just, when you're in there and you're touching it, you find it, you feel it. And also, I think it gives you street cred with the providers, which always helps there. So what's what's your favorite part of your work about what you do here? And then we'll get into the the, the business intelligence stuff that you built. But uh, what, what do you like to do as a CMIO? So what I like to do is everything. Uh, what I enjoy about being a CMIO is you're in the weeds to 30,000 feet and back to the weeds again and maybe the, in one meeting um, uh, one afternoon. Um, and that's, that's just the variation, the ability to impact a, a wide variety of uh, practicing physicians and providers 
with with the work that I do. I, I feel like if I do my job well, the system works and we don't get yelled at. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, verbal beatings are, are, are sort of the, how I measure my uh, my success. The less uh, of those, the, the more I see um, uh my job going well. Um, I try to approach the, the value that I think of a physician um, or any clinician in informatics is the ability to understand the clinical workflow at a very deep level and then layer the technology on so that it they, that they work seamlessly together. It's a lofty goal and I think we'll get there eventually, but I think you can cut out a lot of problems, a lot of the back and forth by, by having that clinical background. That's a good segue, I think, into this business intelligence part because I think the concepts here are the same. You want someone with that clinical background who knows what they're looking for to get the data out. They know how they got the data in. So how did you get into the business intelligence and clinical analytics part? Um, was it out of uh, frustration because you couldn't get what you want out of the system? Or were you just in, intrigued by this part? Tell us about that journey. Sure. So I, I think that's a it's a great question, and just in, in terms of the industry, the the ability to for a CMIO, I think you know we've all implemented our EMRs, and now we're trying to leverage the, the big bucket of data that we're all sitting. Um, uh, and so by necessity, with payment reform and shrinking mar margins, et cetera, et cetera, um, leveraging the information that you have captured is is paramount to the next wave of healthcare. So when we we went live with Epic about two and a half or maybe three years ago at this point, uh, we had a report writing structure. We had a manager of reports. Uh, we had uh, five or ten report writers. We had literally thousands of reports in our report library. And uh, the biggest frustration we had on day one or day two, other than the, the usual workflow issues, was getting reports. And you know, there was this back and forth between the report writing manager, our CIO, and some other folks. Says, There's tons of reports in the system. Why aren't they meeting your needs? And the, the people on the, 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 the front end were saying, the data is not right. All the things that we hear about, um, it's not what I wanted. The data is not right. It, it doesn't look right, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, and I won't take full credit for this by any stretch. You need a team of your CIO. Um, I have a very strong application manager um, that I work with uh, that had vision in this. So they reworked some of the job descriptions. We got rid of the word reporting and replaced it with business intelligence because that's really what it's about. And then we really, really pushed our analysts to get out of their cubicles. Um, the answer to the data's not right and it's not what I want is not having them fill out a form on an intranet page um, with what they're looking for and then having it go into a black hole for six months or a year and then coming back with something they didn't want or they forgot they had asked for. Uh, but it's getting out and meeting the, with them. So we started to get report writers or business intelligence analysts and the business intelligence manager uh, into operational leaders uh, meetings, meeting with them, understanding what their problem was and saying, okay, well, you have report A. It used to look like this in McKesson or whatever the old system was. And, uh, but really the question you're trying to answer is A, let's give you the, the report or the, the dashboard or um, whatever it is that you, that you actually need to solve the problems that you're doing. Uh, so one of the things I think we noticed very quickly was that Epic didn't have some of the tools that we uh, that we needed to answer the questions that our end users wanted. And we also didn't have a good structure uh, to put in place around the definitions for, for certain things. As a practicing 
doctor, an admission is someone I place an admission order in. But you find out very quickly that an admission to a financial person is the midnight census or time and observation or if someone switches back and forth from observation to admission. So you have to get very, very granular on what an admission is or what any uh, data element is, define it, and then have an organizational understanding of what it is. So we had two problems. One is a lack of governance and the other is a lack of visualization tools for some of the data elements. So I think it would help our audience to know a little bit about the structure of your team here in terms of what's centralized, what's decentralized, who's leading this, and who do they report to. That may just help our audience understand what it is that you put together here. Great question. When I joined the organization, we didn't really have an IT governance structure, but we also had to, the, the reality of there are business intelligence pockets throughout the organization, whether they're in operational units or in the business strategy office. Um, and sort of how do we create something that's both functional and lives in reality. Um, so through the leadership of our CIO, um, we started an IT steering committee and everything sort of rolled up to the IT steering committee uh, and into our executive council. So we report out there. Underneath our uh, IT steering committee, we have oper several operations committee. The business intelligence operations committee is the sort of governance over business intelligence. Underneath that, we have uh, some more functional groups. We have a business intelligence user groups and that is for um, folks that are heavy data users throughout the organization they come together once a month or once a quarter and just kind of review how the tools are being used and learn from each other so that we break down some of the silos um, we have a data validation work group this is where uh, honestly the monster share of uh, of the work is done and it is not fun work it is hard work um, as I was talking about coming up with a data definition for an admission that works across the organization um, is incredibly painstaking and time-consuming and unfortunately a lot of the epic um, sort of foundation reports were not what we needed so we had to build up um, a lot of those data definitions we did use a third-party product called Colibra to help us organize mm -hmm and save those definitions um, so that they didn't get lost on our shared drive. And uh, five years later, no one can remember what uh, an admission is or whatever the data element is. So that, that group comes together. It's multidisciplinary. It has folks from all over the organization, it has executive sponsorship through myself as well as a senior vice president. And uh, we help drive it forward. And then those decisions or recommendations roll up to the business intelligence operating group. And then uh, ultimately up to the IT steering committee and the executive council. So we, IT, um, has not tried to take ownership or take anything away from the, the business units or the operational units. We really see this as a partnership, both with folks that are at the sharp end of the stick, the operational leaders, as well as leveraging data expertise that has existed in our organization for quite some time. Are there providers besides you on, on this, in any of those groups that you mentioned? Uh, so we have a nursing informatics team, which is helpful and also involved in the business intelligence user group. So that sort of more report writery uh, working group. Most of the work is done by IT analysts. I am the only sort of dual role or clinical person involved right now. Okay. And what about the operational leaders? Is there a, a division that sits on this and they're involved or they come ad hoc as needed? If cardiology's got something going on, they show up. How does that work with the operational leaders? Sure, so for each data definition specifically, so we involve the operations folks as, as much as possible because honestly, they're key. If you don't have trust in the data, all this hard work is, is for naught um, and it's essentially pointless. So when, especially when it comes to data definitions, we involve the operational leaders. So we have a pro 
process. Um, we have a kind of a, a week one meet with operational leadership, understand challenges and current status. And um, week two, IT goes back and takes a look at things, sees what the issues are. Week three, we go back and meet with them. Week four, they attend the, 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 the validation work group. Week five, we put the reports in um, or something along those lines. Honestly, it usually takes a couple of months um, just realistically with people's calendars and, and some of the, the hard work. Uh, that needs to be done. But if you don't engage your operational folks and, and they don't understand the value of this, move on to a different group because it's, you're going to be banging your head against the wall. Sure. So, all right, we've got a foundation that we've got. You've got the data definitions in there. You've got the teams that are doing the report writing that are no longer sitting behind their cubicles. They're getting out and understanding the clinical workflows so that they understand the data that's being pulled. So the data should be right now. You've got some report writing going on. There's a difference to me between reporting and analytics. Um, do you guys do true analytics or is it really just business reporting? And do you think it's important to do analytics? So I think we do a little bit of both. Um, I think our organization uh, wants to and strives to be a data-driven organization, as I think most do, at least on paper. Um, the reality is a lot of it is still reporting. Uh, we have some areas that are very interested in, in the analytics, our emergency department that has throughput challenges. They've been able to drive change based on having good, clean dashboard. I also think that the, the term report, in my mind, is a piece of paper, a PDF, something that you can't interact with. We've pushed very hard uh, to get folks into uh, dashboards. And, and one of the things I spoke about uh, at Epic and alluded to earlier in this conversation is uh, Epic's data visualization tools aren't wonderful. Um, uh, I've said that out loud many times. I'm waiting for a, an assassination team from, from Verona to, <laughs> to find me at some point. And it has gotten better. I think Slicer Dicer is an excellent tool uh, that has gotten better, but uh, answer certain questions uh, and visualizing the data, we use something called Click, Q-L-I-K. Uh, there are other tools out there, but Click seems to be a favorite among other Epic hospitals. Uh, and again, using that as a tool to help people understand and slice and dice the data themselves um, gets away from this sort of back and forth of the report's not right, fix it. Okay, I think I know what you want. Well, no, it's not what I want. I want this now. Um, now we've created a bunch of different dashboards for pockets within the organization, medical staff, the emergency department, our opioid analytics are all in click, um, EVS, um, so turnaround times for room cleaning, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we've been able to, in pockets, I think, become a data-driven organization. So... All I need to do is buy an expensive data visualization tool, drop it into my organization, and I'm good, right? I don't have to do anything else? A hundred percent. Excellent. Uh, just open up your checkbook. Um, so unfortunately, I, I think that that is uh, what a lot of people do is they buy tools and toys uh, that seem fancy when you go to HIMSS uh, or you have the vendor show up that with a couple clicks you can answer any question. Um, I, I really do think this is a collaborative uh, effort and the tool is just something that helps you get from A to B. If the tool is not showing good data, uh, you lose trust um, and you sort of are, are back to square one. So while data visualization tools are helpful, um, and I think Click is a, is a great one. Um, it is not the cornerstone of, of, of this transformation. It's about getting out, meeting with people, understanding the changes, what drives them, and, uh, and meeting, meeting the customer. I think one of the most eye-opening things for, for me is when you start looking at these data definitions, 
the downstream things that they're used for, like productivity. So the number of admissions on a floor impacts staffing. If you impact staffing, you impact budgets. If you impact budgets, uh, the unit and unit managers get less money. And, and so there's a humongous fear around some of these things when you're just like, we're, we're just trying to standardize admissions. Why is this such a big deal? Um, so understanding sort of the underlying motivations and the other things the data is used for is incredibly important um, as you go out to meet with folks. To take me more into the IT side of what goes on, uh, do you have a, an architect, someone who's really on the technical side, and what does that person do all day long, as opposed to these analysts that are more of the report writers, and then you've got, sounds like you've got end users who are doing the self-service, so that's kind of the spectrum. Take us to the IT side. What does that look like? Sure, so these folks are incredibly hard to find. Um, on the IT side, we have jobs posted, or uh, the, the team consists of a data architect um, and several business intelligence analysts. We have had to go to consultants um, to fill these roles. Uh, we are trying to grow that team internally, but finding someone who speaks data, speaks the 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 underlying um, sort of enterprise data warehouse language, and can meet with customers is a, is a is a trifecta that's really really difficult to find. Um, so we have slowly moved away from consultants as we've built up our team, but uh, we have a very strong manager um, and then hiring a, a data architect, and then we have business intelligence. We also have a business intelligence program manager, and she's sort of the grease between the wheels, the person who speaks human and, and IT um, and can really sort of do some of the work that I as a CMIO do, which is that translation that Rosetta Stone, okay, I hear you trying to do A, this is what that means in, in, in technology language and, and, and vice versa. Um, so I think having flexible folks, you need very strong IT, um, but they, but you do need some personality or you need um, uh, good personality traits or you need to partner them with folks who are comfortable in front of operational people. So on the operational side, they, they have to have skin in the game here. Sure. And there, I found that there are some people in different pockets of the organization that are going to want to be data-driven. They're learning the tools. They've got that thirst for data. So what, what percent of an operations person's time, if I'm the director of cardiology, do they have a little data analyst that's attached to them or is a piece of their job focused on data? What's the right answer for, for organizations? <laughs> so I don't think there is one, unfortunately. I think um, what I'm starting to see is as we bring in new managers, they, they are ex an expectation that they have as a portion of their responsibility is understanding and doing some of the data work themselves. Um, a lot of the legacy positions that sort of live within departments are oftentimes focus on registries or we need to fill out this registry, so data extraction and then typing it into another system. As we sort of pick those off with automation, we're starting to see repurposing or at least conversations of repurposing those roles into a more business intelligence type or performance improvement uh, almost uh, person. So. We don't. We no longer have to calculate door to balloon time manually every month. We have a report for that. Well, that person now is freed up to do performance improvement or to look at the data and, and say, why is it taking us 10 minutes or whatever it is to do this part of that process? And, and so really starting to leverage that. So I think it really depends on the operational unit, but I'm starting to... The last three or four leaders that have entered the organization are, where am I, where's my data? I need my data, otherwise I can't impact change um, uh, like I used to at my previous organization. Um, it's very exciting. 
That then raises the question about data literacy. So we want those end users to know what they're doing, to be comfortable in our tools. How does that happen in your organization? Uh, it, is, are there courses that people take or is it one-on-one? -on -one? Are you doing that training? How does that happen? So it's a great question and I think that that's uh, part of the challenge is, is we've built some good tools, we've built some good data definitions. How do we sort of remove the old under, it's like going to pull the old forms out. You know, we've, we've been photocopying the same form for 47 years, even though there's a, a new one. Uh, we have to pull those old ones back. We have to pull that old knowledge out or at least get buy-in that the new, the new definition uh, is, is helpful. So we do offer some, some training on the tools. Um, uh, that is done by our training team, but honestly, a lot of it is done one-on-one. -on -one. We're a smaller organization, uh, two hospitals, 500 docs on staff. It's developing relationships. It's meeting with folks. It's attending some of these operations uh, meetings, understanding and, and, and advocating for the, for the use uh, of data. And then we actually find people coming to us saying, hey, I've noticed a problem with this definition or how can I use this or I need to update my reports. But uh, I think folks are realizing in the changing healthcare environment that they need to be data literate and they need to have data in a way that makes sense and is understandable to the to the folks that they report up to. So I think it's a it's a, a push and a pull. We offer courses. It, they're somewhat more focused on just using the tools um, and not so much on the literacy. That is because your needs as a uh, an OR director versus the director of cardiology are so different that we really need to. It's hard to develop a class that multiple people can attend um, where it's sort of valuable for everyone. If you wanted to get something done in click, that's not something the end user is going to learn. Or are you teaching people how to how to be able to deploy click and they're click developers, so to speak, and they can make their own dashboards? Or is that really the purview of IT? Where's that line get drawn? So yeah, the, the um, a great question as well. I think. Uh, we haven't gotten to the, I, the reason I love Slicer Dicer so much is you can really design that query within the limitations of the, of the software, sort of with a fundamental understanding of the tools. Click, there is an additional layer where you do need to meet with a Click developer, develop the dashboard. But once the dashboard is up and running, you can manipulate the stuff in there to your heart's content. Um, so again, finding the right tool for the right query um, uh, is, I think, as important as having the folks uh, able to build it. Because if you're using the wrong tool, you're not going to get the answer that you that you need, and you're going to waste a lot of time. So we're using Slicer Dicer for that ad hoc query because you hate to put all that time into a a click, or we use Explorer here, but you use one of your data visualization tools and then go, oh. That, that really isn't a problem. Um, the data says we're good. I can move on to something else. And, and you split all that time in. So I love using Slicer Dicer for that, which is an epic tool. And then Reporting Workbench is another epic tool that's just really an ugly basic reporting tool. And so we're trying to switch over more towards these more advanced data visualization tools. But we are finding there are a very limited set of people who seem comfortable developing in that. Um, Analysts are, are more experienced. They tend to do be able to do it quicker, faster, but we're having a hard time getting them closer to that end, uh, end user to be able to develop exactly what we need on one attempt. It's, it's the constant back and forth and 
Um, you know, you, we still have this, you make a ticket, you put it in and, and you know, it's been a long time before <laughs> anyone gets to it. So having the end users be able to do it, they can move quicker, faster, answer the questions when they need it because um, close enough data that's available today to me is more valuable than absolute precise data that I get a year from now because that decision is long gone. You agree? I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think some of the more uncomfortable conversations we've had within our organization are the data is not right. The data is not right. The data is not right. Um, and, and we've had to get our CIO involved to say, show me why it's not right. And, and then we'll, we'll help you. Otherwise, this is what you've asked for. It's giving you what you need. You just don't like the answer. It hasn't happened very often, but uh, uh, I think having strong leadership and having a governance process really helps with those conversations. If you showed up to the meeting, you agreed that this was the de definition. You signed off on you know A, B, C, D, and E, but we have had some folks who have refused to sign off on their dashboard or their report being complete. And that's where folks like myself get involved, um, our CIO gets involved, uh, and really working through the governance um, so that folks get comfortable with what, what they've asked for. We've talked about your, your CIO, we've talked about analysts, we've talked about end users, we've, we've left someone out of the conversation. How about your CFO? So does your CFO believe that a data-driven organization will have a return on investment, that it, that it matters, that we can take data, and that something good comes out of it from a financial standpoint? We'll talk about the quality standpoint in a second. Just do financial for right now. Sure. So our IT department rolls up to our CFO. I report to our CMO. So um, one of those kind of hybrid uh, reporting relationships. Um, but our CFO has been incredibly supportive of it because the transparency into the data helps him understand how we're doing as a system. Not, not unsurprisingly, uh, our financial reporting uh, is very robust because we have great buy-in and great push from the, that uh, level to make sure that our, our financials are right and, and our, our go-live was very successful financially. Um, so. Our CFO allows our CIO um, to, to create a, a structure and, and shift FTEs as, as seems appropriate. And everyone realizes that having a strong business intelligence department is central to what we're trying to do as an organization. So um, we have not had to necessarily demonstrate an ROI for these positions, um, but having the, the product, I think, justifies uh, the spend. Um, we haven't done a, a strict ROI on, on this yet. I think it's, I think informatics as a whole, this is, as, as I thought about our conversation coming up, informatics as a whole is really difficult to prove an ROI for um, analytics departments. It just, you can do it. You have to make a lot of assumptions and, and the math gets somewhat fuzzy. Um, I have, I've yet to see it sort of put out on paper where, where it makes sense, but uh, had nothing but support when we put in the governance structure, when we started coming up with these definitions. We've, part of it also is We've had some instances where data has been actually reported up to our board that was not correct. Mm. And so it didn't make, luckily or unluckily, those measures didn't make it through our governance structure. And once we did, we were able to fix them and, and report out. So having good information, good data shown all the, and, and interest all the way up to the board level, I think is, is, is key um, to understanding how valuable this information is. Our system has that strong financial analytics uh, behind it. I think that they definitely is, there's a focus and a need in order to run your business. You got to have that. 
and kind of the quality pieces come along second. So where are you at in terms of clinical quality? If I am a department chair, a clinical chief, and I want to understand mortality, I want to understand return to OR, can I get that information easily, self-serve, or is that not developed enough yet? What does it look like in your organization? So I think there's the internal quality, those things that you talked about, processes within the hospital. Um, those are determined more on the operational leads, what's important to them. And I think as we've sort of picked off departments, we've gotten folks comfortable where they can make process improvements. Clinical quality, I think, is, is tough because you always wind up debating um, the quality of the quality measures. Um, I was just talking to one of my mentors uh, yesterday and you kind of get hung up on the definition of whatever the quality metric is. But most of our quality metrics, it's a long way of getting to an answer, um, most of our quality metrics are related to our either our pay-for-performance contracts uh, or our participation in value-based payment models like uh, bundled payments and our ACO. So that's where a lot of our analytics efforts is, and those can be clinical endpoints or process measures like time to first appointment or notifications of folks um, being admitted to other hospitals, looking at claims data, sort of that whole spectrum of population health is where I'm pushing and where the, really the need is at this point. Wrap this up for us. Let me get you out of here with one more question, and that's what kind of advice would you have for someone who wanted to tackle um, an analytics program at, at, at their system? What, what would you tell them to start, and what's the journey, advice you can give them for the journey? <laughs> so it's a long journey, um, and I think breaking down silos, I hate some of this management speak, but I, I really think getting out of your physical location, meeting with folks, key folks within the organization uh, that have data needs and, and understanding what they're trying to do rather than throwing tools at them. So instead of showing click, and we've done our, our fair share of click demos, really don't even bring your laptop. Just take notes, understand what folks are trying to accomplish, go back to your IT team, see what seems to make sense, and then come back and have a collaborative effort with uh, operational folks. Um, that to me, I think, is the recipe for success and also having a governance structure, right, uh, that reports ultimately to your executive team. I really think you're starting to see chief population officers, chief analytics officers, chief transformation officers in the C-suite. So having someone who understands the importance of data and then feeding them the good work that you're doing, um, I think is a virtuous cycle that will, that will ultimately benefit everyone. I see so many organizations that struggle with this, but with the way you just just sounded it off there. It, sound, it sounds so easy. So all we need to do is have standard definitions and a nice catalog where you can find them in a nice repository. And then we're going to have some reports and they're going to be validated so we know we're getting good information. And if you're not happy with that, well, there's a process for going through to, to say, hey, my data's not right. And we can then take a look at that from a structural standpoint. You've got data architects in place who are helping to make sure that the data environments are rich and safe so that an end user can go in and, and explore their data. You've got self-service tools so that people can start to explore the data. You have end users that are interested in devoting specific time towards data analytics and you have data literacy programs in place to help them and all this I guess kind of wraps under an executive team that's interested in data that helps to promote and drive this process. 
It's that easy. <laughs> it's nirvana. Um, it is not. Uh, like any uh, organization, healthcare organizations, especially complex, messy, um, a lot of uh, deep-rooted sort of history, organizational culture. So you have to chip away at it. I think it's, it's a journey like everything we do in healthcare. But uh, I really strongly believe that this is not an IT solution. It's a partnership. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a thing you can buy your way out of or into or whatever the right way to say it is. Um, you really need to develop relationships with key folks in your organization and then deploy the, toy, uh, the tools and toys judiciously and, and appropriately. GM, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a nice 45 minute presentation, uh, but this work is, is ongoing. Um, it's taken us several years to get to where we are, and I would say we're still in our infancy, but we have, a, I think, a good strategy in place. In, instead of the wilds of the last several years, we at least have a, the, the framework of something that I think um, uh, will carry us nicely into the future. You're proud of what you built? I'm proud of what uh, I and others built. I won't take uh, full or, right. or even even majority credit. <laughs> well, thank you for being on the show today, John. It's my pleasure. And you have been listening to CMIO Podcast. I've been your host, Dr. Mark Weissman. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at cmiopodcast.com. Send me your ideas for shows, guests you'd like to hear from, general feedback, or just to connect. And I look forward to bringing you our next episode.